0: Well, I want to welcome everybody. If you are just tuning in, especially on TV or, or online on your phones or in whatever way you're, you're tuning in, uh, special hello to you because this might be your first time. Here's what we're doing as a church. We're going to open up the Bible. We're going to look at the Bible and we're going to learn something from who we believe be God through the Bible. So if, if you, if you like, like to look ahead, I'm going to eventually be in a place called Colossians. Uh, if you don't know where that is, don't worry. Uh, I'll bring that up. To talk to you about what I wanna to talk to you about, I, I wanna bring up something that I've never done. And I'm thinking if I ever plan, I know I don't ever plan to do it either, uh, skydiving. I don't know if, if, has anyone ever been skydiving? It, okay, if you, I don't, skydiving to me, I mean, it's fun to watch other people skydive. No interest in it, however, Because I like to research stuff and this does sound weird, I like to go to Florida for vacation. So I have looked at, should I ever wanna go skydiving? Florida makes a lot of sense to me because there's a, well, there's beautiful water and everything around that that would be the location. So in doing so, I found a place called Southwest Florida Skydiving Club. Don't look it up, because I don't wanna hear that they're horrible because I don't know if they are and I'm really not gonna do this. Anyways, so here's what they will tell you. Here's two things. Here's two things that when, when you show up, and should you ever wanna go skydiving, this is just beneficial information for you, Uh, you can count on two things at this specific place. Uh, An exciting experience, which you're kinda paying for that, you're like, I sure hope so. Uh, And and two, a need to follow some basic rules. So that tells you that they've had people go, I don't need to follow your rules, let's just do this. So so you have a jump master, and here, here are the rules. Again, I am not experienced, some of you have done this. Don't curl up into the fetal position when you jump out. uh, And they'll say, because you can slip out of your harness. I did not know that. Now you know that. See, you're grateful for this information. Uh, Arch your back and hold your arms out in front of you to keep you from slipping out of your harness, which again is proving to me I don't want to do this. If there's multiple ways to get out of that harness, no thank you. Uh, Stick your legs out in front when landing you do not need an explanation for that, correct? Just if you don't use your feet, again, YouTube probably has videos of that. Um, one of their favorite rules, uh, do everything your jump master tells you to do. And no pets allowed on your jump. <laughs> How crazy is it that they have to put no pets allowed on that jump? So they have rules. By the way, if you, if you break these rules, you do not get to go skydiving, right? There are absolute rules that harnessing is legit. And if you are any kind of a rational human being and you decide to go skydiving for the first time, you are likely looking at that jump master going, everything you tell me. I am going to absolutely eat up, write down, lock in, and do it as though it is God's holy law because you want to actually survive the ordeal, right? The ordeal, the experience. (laughs) Uh, Let's pretend though, let's pretend they don't have those rules. Just for a second. And let's say you show up to this place in Florida and you've got like, it's on your bucket list, maybe it's a birthday thing, maybe it's a dare, and you're gonna go skydiving. You show up, you walk in, you pay. They're like, so glad you paid, come with me. And they strap right onto you a parachute at that very moment, you just paid. You just, credit card, receipt, thanks very much. I have a parachute on my back right now. Then the guy walks you straight out to a plane. The plane's running, it's ready to go. No one's told you really what to do. You just now have a parachute on your back. you are, you signed up to do this. So you get on the plane, and, and he's like, I'm so glad you're doing this. This is awesome. I think you might have fun doing this. And you get onto the plane thinking maybe, again, a rational thought. I bet when I get onto the plane, they're going to tell us what to do and how to do it. And there's a... No. When you get onto the plane, everyone gets seated, and the person begins to tell you, we have a bit of an open mind here. We are a bit of a free spirit kind of a group. We put a parachute on your back, but we believe that your feelings are going to tell you exactly how to operate that thing. <laughs> we believe that your emotions are going to be so stable and so good that you can trust them in the height of this moment. And so we really just want to wish you the best of time. And should we meet on the ground, we will be very excited for you. Can you, can you imagine that approach? Uh, some of you are psychotic, and you're like, yes, yeah, sign me up for that one. But <laughs> most of us are like, there's got to be some absolutes to this that I do A, B, and C, and it gives me the most assurance that I am actually going to do this well, that I'm going to eliminate as many of the possible errors out of this. That is an example of what you and I need to be doing regularly with life. There are absolute rules and systems. There are truths in life that if you learn them, it's not about, am I doing everything right that God wants me to do so that he likes me and I'm a good Christian? No, it's so that you can actually live the life that God intended, a good full life, and if you actually apply it, Not as rules to just regulate us, but to give us freedom. Once you know these rules or these principles of life, they're a big deal. So uh, they apply all over life. If you want to actually live, you need to eat food and water. Right? Okay. Uh, If you want to keep your job, you have to show up regularly. There are things in life, this leads to that. This leads to that. And so we as a church have started uh, looking at what's called a creed. And years and years, centuries, long time ago, a creed was assembled. But don't let that be like a lighthearted, oh, neat. People put a poem together about God, and that's cool. You need to know that assembling this creed, people, their lives were in danger in putting it together. There were arguments about what was most important and how it was constructed. So every single word in this creed, has so much weight to it and importance. It's not just someone's advice they thought was good in the moment. That's important for you to know. So if you're unfamiliar with the Apostles' Creed, I'm going to take you straight to where we're going this week. You'll notice that last week we went here. I don't have time to preach on it again. You can maybe go watch that. But it talks about God. But then I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Now these words were put in there so that you and I would have these rules to live by, truths to live by, going tell me the basics so that I can actually land correctly and do this thing well. So let's, I want to, in essence, pick this apart and, and show you pieces of it. Uh, that talks about, obviously, Jesus Christ, God's only son, so, so they're like, basically, they want you and I to know, right off the bat, Jesus is God's only son. you probably like, I've heard a verse, uh, John three sixteen. I think. So. Yeah, yeah. But, but many of us, uh, maybe it's not you, friends or family might say, oh, I like that Jesus guy. He's cool. He said some good things. He did some good things. Let me show you something. Then the high priest asked him, being Jesus. Are you the Messiah? Now, ask just for a second, what if someone asked you if you're the Messiah? Hopefully, you're going to be like, no, I am not. Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? If you're like, I'm new to the Bible, what's that mean? Uh, original Son of God. Are you Son of God? Jesus said, I am. What you need to see here is Jesus was not just some moral teacher that taught some good things and you can like a little bit about it or not. He is a guy locked in history that claimed, answered yes in a formal setting, I am the son of God. It was not just given to him. Like some of us like, well, maybe Christians called him that because they believe that about him. And so you know how we give people titles that they didn't really call for. But no, he claimed that title. I am and you will see the son of man seated in the place of power at God's right hand. Coming on the clouds of heaven. I mean, you, you're hopefully you're seeing, like, this was not just a, a title saying, here you go. He claimed it. Mess with that a little bit in your brain. Jesus himself said that. And so this creed tells us something that's true. We believe it's true. But you need to wrestle with, do you think he's just a good guy? Good guys don't say they're the Messiah. Unless. They are. Let's go back. Because it said something else that, I mean, can really mess with you if you don't. Uh, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit? You're like, that's weird if it's new to you. Uh, even maybe as weird, born of the Virgin Mary. You're like, how's that even possible? I'm not going to go into biology at all with this. But I want you to see that that many times you'll hear a Christian saying, yeah, uh, uh, M- Mary... Uh, was a virgin and, and, and all the whole thing, God you know, orchestrated it all and it seems a bit I don't know any other way to say it Harry Potter, uh, sci-fi like it just seems like yeah, I haven't really heard that, where, where do they get that from? Well there are multiple places but here this is how Jesus the Messiah was born his mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, The Bible references, talks about this. this There was even what's called prophecy spoken hundreds of years before this moment saying that this would actually play out. Now, the reason I'm gonna harp on this for a second because there is some jacked up teaching out there. Sometimes people will use a verse like this and say, wow, Mary's a big deal. And maybe you were raised that way and I don't disagree with you that Mary's a big deal. But can we admit that sometimes when we find someone who's a big deal, we elevate that person above being a big deal? Like we kind of like begin to push it up a little bit more, a little bit more. And then when we're talking about like the Messiah's mom, right? You're like, like she's a big deal. And, and unfortunately, there's teaching out there. Uh, let me just tell you some of them because I don't really want to teach it. I just want uh, that, to, that Mary can forgive our sins. That would make her God, by the way. Uh, that, that that Mary is a deity, um, and I, I I think I can tell you what Mary. Yeah, I think this is important. Mary Mary would accept your respect of her, but she would reject your worship of her. And I don't I don't really mean to harp on this. This really isn't the point of the whole sermon. It's it's really not. But but as I was studying and looking at this uh, Apostles' Creed and bring up Mary and I'm like yeah I mean and and sometimes we think that we need to worship God. <clears throat> And Mary, I think she would reject your worship. I'm actually 100% confident she would reject your worship. The only reason I bring it up is so that you and I don't get misguided and be like, Oh, there's multiple gods. Or if you were that connected to to Jesus, that may... uh. Mary isn't God. She isn't a God. She isn't a deity. She can't forgive your sins. She was the mother of Jesus. Given a role that most of us would be like, No, thank you. No, I think that's worth bringing up. So let's kind of return back to, okay, so who is Jesus? And, and the Bible teaches this. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Many times, we, I've been asked, the like, the confusing. So you've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You've got Jesus. This is, gets confusing. Christ, this is one of the most clear examples in the Bible. Uh, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation for through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. Uh, We we have to admit that that's a a big deal. That's, That's actually... Significant. So now I really want to teach you, now that we've kind of dealt with the words that are around some certain words, there was a, a word stated that you and I have to wrestle with. I don't know if you're in the mood to wrestle with a major issue. Um, in fact, I think what I'm going to share with you is one of the most significantly difficult things to do in all of life. <clears throat> so, it's those two words there, mainly the one word, Lord notice that these early Christians in assembling and actually uh, being willing to put their life on the line and to go through such tension and arguments and all that is okay here's where here's here's who Jesus is and and here's where he came from but let's cue in on I believe in Jesus Christ God's only son our Lord our Lord huge deal big deal So let me say something very basic because I'm going to repeat it over and over. Jesus is Lord. Uh, This creed is stating something that the Bible is stating, but even something that Jesus talked about and others did. Jesus is Lord. Now, here's what's interesting about this. If you grew up in the church at all, you may have referenced, I prayed to the Lord. I talked to the Lord. I hope the Lord helps me out on this. That terminology was not rampant until Jesus resurrected from the dead. And once he resurrected from the dead, people actually began to call him different names. Not just Jesus, but Lord Jesus. Uh, the original wording you can find is uh, curious. This this word here uh, means Lord. Now, if you were to do a, a deep dive, and don't worry, you don't have to. I did it. This this is found all throughout Scripture. This was the way they talked about God. Now, now understand this: in in the time of Jesus, there were basically you've, the storyline involves the Israelites. And the Romans, the Romans were oppressing the Israelites and the Romans were a big deal. The Romans uh, believed in multiple gods. Like, they're like, just name something and call a God and they were cool with it. They're like, everything, there are tons of gods, cool, 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 they had tons of them. The, the Israelites were like, no, there's one God and his name is Yahweh, but they would even refer to Yahweh as Lord, meaning whoever got the title Lord, to them was the almighty, powerful God. You did not use that term loosely. If you did, you could have lost your life, been put into jail, been ostracized. You never said the word Lord except for the one and only God. Until Jesus resurrects. And then all of a sudden, we pick up a trail, all in Scripture, that shows you and I something. I'll take it to you. This is in Acts. The apostles testified powerfully. So this is after Jesus. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. They had not been referring to him that way. Now, they had hoped for it. Some have believed him in the heart. But to say it out loud or on paper, it was like... Whoa, this is a big deal. So you're seeing rabbit of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessing was upon them all. Uh, further on in Acts, as they stoned him, Stephen. If you don't know Stephen, Stephen is the guy that literally was like talking about Jesus, saying Jesus is the way. And they got so mad at him, they picked up rocks, ran him out, and stoned him to death. Rock after rock after rock after rock. It's for talking about Jesus. As they murdered him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, not just Jesus, not just, hey, my rabbi. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees because he was dying and in pain, shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died you begin to see this trail of they start calling Jesus Lord. Uh, Paul, who wrote a majority of the New Testament, the good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line. We know that to be absolutely true. And he was shown to be the son of God. He even claimed this and proved it. When he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit, he is, and you gotta know, him writing this, he was making a statement. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is profound if you understand the meaning of it. If you call yourself a Christian, if you say, I follow Jesus, I'm all about Jesus, I am a Christian follower of Jesus, whatever term you use. You need to know what they were doing. When they started doing this, this is a big deal. They were not giving Jesus a a name. They were giving him authority. This was was a moment. The resurrection changed everything in their hearts because they then realized this is not just a rabbi, not just a teacher, and I don't know why they weren't thinking, not just a guy who can walk on water and and feed thousands of people with a little bit. It was the resurrection that literally turned it for them, and they began to look at Jesus, think about Jesus, talk about Jesus, going, he is Lord. Now, you and I have a tendency to, I, I think, not fully get Lord. Um let me help i don't many of you don't like sports, but I'll fix that here in a minute um, uh, when you when you think about Lord, think about this it, in the United States of America if you're playing in a championship game, we do not accept ties like like there's There's ties. If you go overseas, a lot of soccer games, even now, even in the states now, you you can tie. And everyone seems to be cool with it. Many of us are like, no, you better keep on playing. Someone has got to win this. And if you don't know this about American culture is at the beginning of sports in our culture, ties were okay. In fact, originally even in football, it was talked about, you were undefeated and untied. That was like the big, bold thing you could brag about. And, and so our actual professional sports began to change the, the infrastructure to how we dealt with this to where professional sports are like, you can tie in certain games that don't matter a ton. But once you get to the championship game, you, the, there, there is a king of the hill there is a champion. Uh, we have to crown a champion. Now, again, like I said, I would fix this if you don't like sports. Um, let's say you were, you were dating, and, and you're on the date, and, and I'll just pick on the ladies. Ladies, you're with a guy, and you're dating, and he says to you, uh, this is super, super romantic, hey, I, I really like you. Um, I want to tell you, you have tied with this other girl. Um, <laughs> I, what do you think if we just like, we all kind of date? Um, I hope you would be like, um, you're paying and I'm never seeing you ever again. I, I, I hope that's what you would do. I hope, I hope you're not cool with ties there. If, if, if you buy things online, maybe Facebook Marketplace or things like that, you're not okay if you tie with someone and you're like, no, pick some, someone has to win that should help you a little bit resolve what you think about Lord. And, and what they're saying in the Bible and in the creed, there is not a tie when it comes to who's in charge of your life. You do not get that option. Your life is as valuable, more valuable than a championship. Do not allow a tie. So as you study scripture, we struggle with authority. Let's use a different one. Uh, most of us uh, can even dwell on whether you had a good experience or bad experience, but how you were parented. Uh, so uh, there was a survey done of parents. Who, and, and in the survey, they were supposed to say, what techniques do not work for you as a parent? Now, I'm a parent, and I'm like, I have a really long list of things. <laughs> how, do, how do I walk into this uh, in this authority, this not-tie thing, um, here, here's, what, here's what it revealed. Ineffective parenting, somebody just, this is all you need for the sermon. Uh, yelling proved to be ineffective because what happens if, if that's your tactic as a parent? Once you yell, uh, next time you know what you have to do is yell louder. And then once you get to that, uh, you got to yell louder again. It's, it's been proven it's ineffective and it's also leaves scars and trauma and all that. Uh, but... Uh, over negotiating. You probably have at least seen a parent in a store do this, right? Like, like negotiating with their three year old. Uh, what that's actually proven is it, it teaches that kid that uh, there are no boundaries really. That really boundaries move around however you feel, whatever you're thinking about, whatever mood I'm in, it just kind of moves and flexes, and that's not healthy for, for a kid. Uh, rescuing is another one. Um, I've done this as a a parent. I'm going to admit to you. uh, Actually, I've done all of them before. Uh, uh, Rescuing teaches a kid, one, um, that they can't do things well, and you don't believe in them. And life always has people rescuing you. So what they've learned is that it's an ineffective parenting. The reason I bring it up, when I talk to you about authority and Jesus and God, I wonder if some of us are struggling with the authority of God and Jesus. We're we're, we're like, okay, authority, that seems like such an outdated kind of word that I would give someone authority over my life. Well, I wonder if some of us are approaching God in this way, this ineffective parenting way, where, where the only way God can get your attention is to yell at you. I mean, you know those moments. He's probably not even yelling at you. It's the rock bottom moment that he's it, finally getting your attention, screaming at you, and finally, like, oh, man, I'm so glad. God, when God needs me, he, he yells at me loud enough, and I finally hear. You need to know that's not mature. That's not a mature relationship. If you want to know if you have an authority issue with God, an authority issue with Jesus himself, if he always has to yell at you to get your attention, I'm not sure he's Lord in your life. Uh, over-negotiating. God, um, your rules, they're outdated, and I don't like them anymore, and they don't match with my feelings. Uh, Be careful, because then you're playing Lord, and then rescuing. God save me. God save me. God save me. Now, Now, God's good, and he saves us, but is that the kind of relationship that you want, where he is not necessarily your Lord and Savior? He's only your Savior, and you actually just live that kind of relationship with him? That's not healthy, it's not mature Jesus brought this up just so you know so why do you keep calling me lord lord when you don't do what i say this is profound to me i hope it is to you that that he is aware that you and i have a tendency come on see oh you're lord you're almighty your power you you have you have authority in my in my life i just don't do what you say but you have authority Jesus continues talking and he says, Hey, if you do what I say, it's like building your life on a foundation that is like really good. It's like, actually, if you do what Jesus says, if you're like, How do I do life, whether I like it or not? What's the best way to do it? Jesus said, If you do it his way, it's like building a house on super solid ground. It's like how to lock it in and live life well. But then, uh, if you choose not to, he keeps talking. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on right on the ground without a foundation. Some versions talk about building on sand. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Let me bring something up. Sometimes many of us look at our life that has fallen apart. We wonder why. Sometimes there is no answer, but sometimes there is. Sometimes there's like, well, I wasn't doing it the way Jesus said. So here's a basic life principle. i teach it to my kids. I'm going to pass it on here. Uh, The wisdom we build our lives with is only as good as the source. And Google is good, but not foolproof. So I want you and I to wrestle with this because how are you you building your life? Like, okay, um, how are you determining how you're going to date? How are you determining how you're going to run your finances? How are you going to determine what your future's going to be? How about your sex life? How about, yeah, well, let's talk about all the stuff that we're like, am I coming up with that on my own, my own opinions, my own thoughts, my own constructs? Wherever you're getting that information, it better be a foolproof source. So that's why a long time ago, Christians help assemble the Apostles' Creed, and they chose every one of those words so intentionally and brought up not only who Jesus is, but where he came from and all that. But he said, our Lord, which brings up one of the most difficult things in life, Lordship. I don't know if you have this resolved. I think this is a daily thing. Lordship. uh, the, The the actual definition, supreme power or rule. Who has supreme power or rule in your life? The way I like it, this is my definition, his way or the highway kind of stuff. Lordship. Um, We have got to stop approaching Jesus in what I would call a neutral way. Uh, there's, There's a totally against him and totally for him. You need to know if you read the Bible that what you're going to hear about Jesus is people against him, people for him. And you know, all like through the several hundred years of history, it was we are for him or we are against him. It is not until actually recent history that people have begun to take with Jesus a neutral approach. We're going, Lordship, no. Good guy, yeah, that's called neutral. And I wonder how many of us right now, what do we do with the Apostles' Creed when it brings up our Lord? What do I do with that? Are you neutral about Jesus right now? Every one of us has to admit that we've had seasons in our life where we have been completely neutral about Jesus it may have been pressure, peer pressure where you backed off a little bit and kind of went into neutral and coasted for a little bit and he was not as big of a deal as he was previously many of us are neutral about Jesus he said you can't be that with him you can't be, the Bible says, lukewarm he says that either you're for him or you are against him There is no neutral. If you're playing neutral, you're playing a make-believe kind of approach to Jesus. That's why the creed says, this is where he came from. This is who he is. And he's our Lord. So here I think this is the best way to spell it out, in my opinion. If this is something you claim, that's something that you do. I'm not suggesting that you do it perfectly. Hear me, not perfectly. If this is what you're gonna claim, and Christians, listen, if you're claiming this, become a student of his way. Do you know that one of the original names of Christians was not Christians? It was the way. I wonder if some of us have gotten neutral to the way of Jesus. I'll leave that challenge with you. And we'll continue to go through the Apostles' Creed, but this is a big decision. So let me pray for you. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes, and uh, God, right now I pray for all of us, myself included. Uh, God, would you would you speak truth in, into us right now, Lord? Each one of us will make us hear it. Um, may our hearts be open to it, God. I ask a question on on behalf of, of us all. Uh, Am I neutral with you? And God, if I am, I am sorry. If any of us are, God, hear us. We are sorry. Would you correct that in our lives? Speak truth into our lives, Lord, so that we can live the devoted way, following you as our Lord. So we... We pray, Lord, uh, that we give you our lives, we surrender, and we thank you for your authority in our lives that leads us down the right path. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.